Cowabunga dudes, and welcome back to another episode of They Made Another One? Where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. I'm your other host, Liam. And sorry for anybody who thought that intro meant we were going to talk about the remake of Point Break. What we're actually talking about this week is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise, and more specifically, TMNT, the animated film from 2007, which was written and directed by Kevin Monroe, who you may also know for Ratchet and Clank 2016, and Mm -mm. The Ant Bully, and... 2017's My Little Pony the movie all classics that we all know and love and uh, this is a film with a pretty wild cast especially um, considering it was back in 2007 it stars Chris Evans, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Mako Imawatsu Patrick Stewart, Nolan North, James Arnold Taylor Mikey Kelly, Zhang Ziyi Lawrence Fishburne, Michael Whitfield, Kevin Michael Richardson etc including a cameo from podcast friend Kevin Smith, which I'm sure you're excited about. I'm excited to hear you say it. I didn't know he was in it when I was watching it, so that's cool. Oh, yeah, it's super It's super cool, man. Now you have one more thing to like about this movie. And I mean, you know, who doesn't want more things to like? Um, before we dive too much further into the actual heart of this movie here, we got to dig into this franchise because TMNT is such a big, monumental, beloved thing that's persisted since um the comics and the cartoon that came out in the 80s for well over 30 years now it's been a really powerful kind of pop culture thing so liam what is your experience with tmnt as a franchise well it's one of those things that's always been around you know i can't remember my life without teenage mutant ninja turtles and knowing what it is but i still wasn't that familiar with them i hadn't seen any of the movies when i was a kid i hadn't seen the tv shows um the closest experience i had with them was a board game that my friend had his name was kyle and he had a whole cabinet full of a bunch of cool board games um goosebumps was one of them and uh teenage mutant ninja turtles was one of them so i was always so excited to go to his house to play these wicked board games And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one had a lot of really cool uh, paintings on it, and it showed you some of the villains like Krang and Bebop and Rocksteady. And though I didn't know who those characters were, I thought they looked awesome. And I think it just shows that, you know, mutant Ninja Turtles who are teenagers is just a really appealing concept, and I think that's why it latches on to so many kids and adults. You know, it's just so novel. And it's cool that it was created by someone. It's uh, Harry Potter has the same thing where I just... It's, it's so perfect as a concept, and I can't imagine a time where it didn't exist. And fortunately, I haven't had to live in a time where it didn't exist to me for either of those things. But I still didn't really know what they were that closely. It wasn't until about two years ago that I decided to check out that first movie from 1990, because I had heard from a couple people that it was really good. And um, the urge just struck me one night to check it out. And so I watched it, and I absolutely adored it. I had some of the most fun I've ever had watching a movie. Um, It was the same time that I watched this movie that I was going back and seeing a lot of classics like E.T. and Jurassic Park for the first time. And and this one really stood above all those other great movies that I was watching. It just had something so appealing about it. There were so many great quotes and great scenes. And it had that feeling that you get when you watch a movie that you know people love. And 
you just get to live in it for a while and know that people have watched it over and over in the last you know 20 25 years and so many kids have bonded over this exact thing that you're watching and it's just a really exciting experience so in the two years since i've thought about the movie a lot i've watched it a couple times more i've uh, had a triple feature night with some friends who also <laughs> love that first movie where we watched one two and three all back to back and that first one has really grown in my uh in my memory and it's it's become one of my favorite movies um but i haven't i haven't checked out much of who the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are outside of those movies. You know, I don't know anything about the comic books or the Michael Bay films. And so this was uh, this was my first adventure into the Ninja Turtles in sort of a different era, you know. that's a, Honestly, that's really exciting because, you know, it's one of those things where it feels like every group of kids or like every age bracket ends up getting its own iteration of TMNT. And it kind of speaks to what you're saying where it feels timeless. It feels like it's always there or it's always been there and it's never not been here. There's something that feels really just really well constructed about the group dynamic that the four turtles have. Like it's something that feels really cohesive, not just as them being brothers, but that the way the personalities clash and like contrast and also benefit one another is a really interesting thing. And it's also able to have the sort of, coming of age angle because it's hitting that teenage demo that is so so vital in that like people growing up in their lives so it's really cool to see um how many different versions of that there are i swear in the last like 10 years or something it feels like there's been three different versions of that cartoon on nickelodeon but it mm -hmm. seems like no matter how many different ways you look at it it's a concept that works even if it's something a lot grittier like the comics are or something a lot more kid friendly like this movie that we watched this time is and, um, you know, before I get into my experience with the franchise, I kind of want to ask, uh, who is your favorite Ninja Turtle? Dude, I like Michelangelo. Um, he's a party man. I, I, I love that he's a party man. He skateboards. Um, and, you know, he's just, uh, he's so irreverent. And um, he's the kind of guy that I aspired to be as a kid, you know. Um, do you still aspire I, to be like that? Who I aspire to be now. I think when I was a, a super young kid, I wanted to be Raphael. I know that I had an action figure of Raphael. I liked his weapons. I liked that he wore red. But upon watching the 1990 movie, Raphael is actually like kind of a buzzkill. He's really serious and he's a and he's really a total edge lord. He's a total edge lord. Yeah. And so he's kind of he's gone down in my estimation. You know, Leonardo is a is a noble leader. Donatello is uh Leonardo's a bit of a narc. He's a bit of a narc and and Donatello is just like sort of nerdy um and not much fun especially in movies 2 and 3 again which is all I can all I can take from is that trilogy of movies. Um he's just like a bookworm and he's kind of lame but Michelangelo is uh just super accessible and appealing and so I I love that guy. Yeah, I mean I kind of agree because you know Mikey's just so hard to argue with like yeah, he's just a you chill guy. You say Mikey? Yeah. Hell yeah. Nice. He and I, we go way back, you know? <laughs> We've been friends friends since 97, dog. Um, My boy, Angie. <laughs> what if what if every other Ninja Turtle abbreviation was the same and then his was Angie for no reason? <laughs> oh, I don't go by Donatello anymore. Call me Tello. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I kind of have a similar relationship to the turtles that you have where um it's kind of more of a 
a cultural osmosis thing. You've kind of got into it more recently, you were saying, with those uh, 90s movies. But for me, it was something that I was always just kind of aware of. And I feel like I got a lot of it secondhand or maybe even thirdhand. Um, when I was younger, I watched a lot of videos that were like angry video game nerd videos and things like that. And him and his contemporaries did a lot of videos discussing like the games and movies that relate to these really classic franchises. So I had a weird relationship with stuff like the turtles where I was getting it. But my interpretation of these things was me interpreting what someone else said about how they remember something from their childhood, which is a really busted way to try to get to know a piece of art because there's just so many filters on it that it's hard to know what you actually think about it or actually get attached to it. But dude, but that that's so funny because that's honestly how most people consume art nowadays, especially. And I have really YouTube. mixed feelings about that. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, with YouTube, there's just a total proliferation of people, you know, critically analyzing every piece of content in any which way. And there are so many uh, instances where you don't have to see the movie because you read a couple reviews and you feel like you've made up your mind about it or you see a couple analysis videos and you feel like you've seen the movie because you've seen a couple scenes cut with some commentary on top of them. You know, that, that, that's only gone on further. And so I think that's why I was so enthused when i watched teenage mutant ninja turtles myself was because i had seen stuff like angry video game nerd as well and i i really thought uh these things were cool and i thought that i knew them but then when you actually take it you know in its entirety from front to back you realize that there's 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 so much to a piece of art you know like a a piece of art isn't just what people say about it. There's there's still so much that you can dig into in, in any given case. Well, and you can actually understand it, right? Because you're getting everything taken out of context and reinterpreted for you. And I think that that's something that's interesting for people because there's so much... We're so oversaturated with choice and the idea that you can watch like anything at any time that it actually makes it harder to decide what to spend our time watching. So it becomes a really compelling thing to be like, oh, I can get the experience of this thing without having to watch this thing or being able to put less time into it. And then I'm given some opinions and I can go on my way. And obviously, I don't think I was thinking about that when I was like 12. But thinking back on it now, it, it makes the relationship to art really distant and really disjointed. And I think it gives people a lot of room to make uneducated claims about the quality of something i feel like that's really prevalent it's super easy to just bandwagon and crush it like i think teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 the movie is a great example because all i've ever heard about it is it's terrible and maybe you know if this were a different podcast we would do a full episode about that but we're talking about a different one but you know, maybe I sit down and watch it and maybe it is terrible, but like I still have fun with it or I find things to like, or maybe I would just straight up like it. Like, I don't know. But all I have to go on right now is that it's bad. So if somebody were to ask me, I would say that it's bad. I think what makes me excited. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can yeah, dig into that if shame, you want. Man. Well, cause like, that's the best I got is all I've ever heard is it's bad. So like if somebody asked me, Oh, like, do you know anything about that movie? I'd be like, yeah, all I heard is that it was terrible. Why I was excited to talk about, TMNT 2007 is that um this came out when we were like 10 11 years old and I actually saw this movie in the theater 
So I have a very direct relationship with this version of the Ninja Turtles. There's this really just shitty, terrible theater in uh, in the food court in the mall, the town over from the town I grew up in. And for some reason, a, a reason I can't put my finger on because I didn't remember... It's not a movie that I ever remember revisiting. I think this is o- only the second time I've seen it. But I have such vivid memories of seeing this movie in the theater. As I was watching it, I could really remember specific sequences like Leo and Raph fighting on the roof in the rain with that neon light coming through. Like I could picture sitting in the theater seeing that on the screen. And there was stuff that was really familiar. So, you know, sitting down to watch this... Um, it's nice because this is the version of the Ninja Turtles that I don't really have that filter for. Like, all I have is, I saw it when I was a kid, so that influences what I think about it. And rewatching it now influences what I think about it because I've grown up since then. But I'm not relying on, I'm watching somebody make a video about the 80s cartoon, and then I watch snippets of it here or there and I catch it wherever and suddenly I feel like I can act like I have a fully formed opinion on the quality of the 80s cartoon. It's something that I thought was cool enough or that I developed enough through osmosis that I had like, I don't know, shirts and whatever. And I think that a side effect of the way these review videos and like lore videos and all that work now is that I had a pretty solid foundational understanding of the canon of Ninja Turtles and like the backstory and who these people are and how things differ in the comics or in other versions or whatever, but nothing really came to this uh, specific experience. And um, I don't think you had seen this one before now, right? No, no, I hadn't. So I guess with that said, um, we may as well just dive right into it here. What did you think about this version of the Ninja Turtles? How does it jive with um, your previous experiences and uh, yeah, you know, that's yep. End of the question. (laughs) question over i didn't dig it man i didn't dig this movie i don't have any reason to uh talk smack about it because i can absolutely see that it, it's it could be fun for a lot of people but it just it, it didn't appeal to me in so many ways um it kind of checks a lot of boxes that don't appeal to me oh um, which is just a shame it's just it's kind of at the beginning it's like a fantasy like dystopia movie and it also has a really big comic book slant to it like right from the very beginning we get the backstory in voiceover which feels very comic booky you know where you got to you got to set stuff up in the early pages so and you can get into the and it's very complicated like for kids it's complicated yeah. cuz they explain it in full twice because yeah. there's like warlords and monsters and interdimensional portals and all this shit. And it's like, why are we front loading this Ninja Turtles movie with lore? Yeah, I don't want to be smacked in the face with all that lore. Um, that's not really the kind of movie that that speaks to me. I, I'd rather that stuff be sprinkled throughout, which I think the, the 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie does that really well. It opens and you just have these Ninja Turtles living in New York and you don't really know why. You don't know where they came from, but you're just thrust into them hanging out in the sewers, eating pizza. And as the movie goes on, you start to um, become cognizant of the world that surrounds them with the Foot Clan. And there's a bit in there about how Master Splinter found them, but it's still... They were keeping um, the secret of the use in their back pocket for later. That's right, that's right. Um, but this one, it throws a lot at you right at the beginning, and it's like sort of a, a war movie, and it also feels very epic. Yeah, you know? like I it, thought the same thing, yeah. 
I, I can tell that this is a movie that that's coming off of a 10, 15 year hiatus. And so it kind of wants to be the big, grand, definitive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that stuff doesn't really appeal to me. I don't, I don't like epic movies typically. I didn't think the art looked very good. I thought it looked like... It hasn't like, aged great. <laughs> it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't aged well. It looks like a, like a PlayStation 2 like video game. A lot of it, the narrative feels like a PlayStation 2 video game where you have boss fights and you have the world set up at the very beginning so that the characters are able to just play in it later and, and go from action set piece to action set piece and... Just sort of in every way, this this movie didn't work for me, but I I wouldn't call it a bad movie, and I would totally understand that this could be people's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, especially, you know, if they saw it at the time. But I know for myself, I don't remember this movie coming out at all. And I also think if I were to have seen it at the time, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have stuck with me just because even as a kid, I didn't, I didn't like a lot of these things that I'm listing off. So it's not my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, but it is different enough from the 90s stuff that I totally get that it could be for other people, you know? Yeah, for sure. And quick side note, that was a pretty good comparison you just made because this was also a PS2 game. So good call. (laughs) I felt that, man. It felt like they were like they were trying to set it up to sell some video games for sure. Yeah, well, I I have one thing I'm going to take issue with with how you sort of broke down this movie before I get into what I thought is I don't think this is trying to be the definitive TMNT kind of thing. And I think that what makes me say that is um, this movie at least has the knowledge that we don't really need an origin story here. I was surprised upon rewatching it that this wasn't an origin story. And one of the things that we get in that like opening narration from Lawrence Fishburne is it's like, yeah, we're Ninja Turtles. We're like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just to be clear. Shredder, dead, fuck them, problem solved. And now we've got this other shit to deal with. But I really liked that um it was aware that we have pre-existing knowledge of what the ninja turtles are so it doesn't need to sit us down and give us the whole thing again like i feel like spider-man as a franchise has had a really big problem with everybody needs to think they need to give us another origin story for spider-man and it's like no we get it like unless you're gonna radically change how that character functions you don't need to tell us and i appreciated that this movie didn't talk down to its audience like that. And it's like, yeah, okay, you guys know who the Ninja Turtles are. Even the kids probably knew who the Ninja Turtles were in some capacity via other cartoons or toys or whatever else. So that was kind of nice. So I don't think it's definitive. I think that just makes it more like a part of a rolling thing that's been like constantly rebooted a bunch and had all these different iterations. But aside from that, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. It does a good job as a, movie aimed at kids getting across like important lessons and whatever about compromise and um knowing when to fight and knowing when to walk away and like getting along with people and trying to not overextend and then do reckless things and all that and it delivers those lessons fine and um it does a good job of dealing with the turtles on like an interpersonal level like it's a a basic tension between raf and leo that sort of gets itself worked out but i still think it's effective but a lot of the rest of it falls kind of flat there are some fun like one-liners and stuff but some of it's kind of weirdly dark 
both literally visually and also like tonally that it's kind of a weird mix again which is a problem that we've had before with other movies where it doesn't know what it's trying to do but i swear this whole movie takes place at night and a lot of the visuals because it's older cgi older 3d cgi especially a lot of the i want to say textures but if i'm using that word wrong somebody flame me but a lot of how it looks is really muddy and the colors are really muted and it makes some of it hard to look at and some of the animations kind of weird and i know that that's like 2007 working at the kinks stuff but the movie's definitely a mixed bag i think it's totally fine to like throw on for your kids if they want some ninja turtle stuff but if you're really looking for a ninja turtles experience i would probably also say go to the 90s with stuff even though this is the ninja turtles experience that i remembered so vividly on revisiting it kind of doesn't have the same oomph that i think it did when i was 10 so it had oomph when you were 10 eh? i mean it must have because i remembered it for 12 years Like, yeah, but is that like rem- just remembering the images or do you remember how you felt about those images? I'm assuming that because I remembered the images, I was enthusiastic about them in some way. Mm. My memory's not great, so I don't really know because I don't remember like reacting to it. But if I remember the experience that much, then it must have left some kind of impression on me. That's what I'm assuming. Um, we need to like we need to ask your parents. And it turns out like you walked out of the theater. just talking There's a chance I hated them. it. Like, and I remember it because I hated it. That's why it stuck with you, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I guess we may as well set up some of what makes this movie kind of convoluted. There's, like, a five-minute opening narration going on, and it starts in this, like, weird fantasy world, and um, there is, is like, a warlord commander whose name is... uh, I don't know who who came up with this name. This is some real we-need-a-fantasy-name-ass name. Um, so there's this general named Yaudel, which is insane. And there's this like big generic looking like old timey fantasy war. And he had four generals who were basically like family to him. And they were like going around trying to conquer the world and shit. And there was this sort of occurrence where there was like this great power coming through another dimension. And they tried to like harness that to, uh, you know, continue the conquering that they were doing. But um, when he gets sent through this, like, parallel universe dimension, it releases 13 monsters into our world, and also his generals are turned to stone, and also he is made immortal, (laughs) which is a lot of... uh, That's a lot of detail to hope that your child audience remembers up front. And, um... It doesn't have a ton of faith because it explains it again later. It has Winters, who is uh, like a big CEO guy now and big and rich and stuff. And it's implied that he's been like Egyptian pharaohs and like a French general and like Alexander the Great. Basically, he's got all this these busts in his office of himself from the past. And um, yeah, it's this just weirdly complicated thing. And then it's weirdly juxtaposed with the turtle story which i think is a much more human and interesting story which is basically that splinter sent leo off for training and he's been in somewhere in south america doing training and trying to become a better leader and like helping people but in the meantime the group dynamic that held the turtles together is kind of falling apart and uh, donnie does it 
and uh, Michelangelo has become uh, Cowabunga Carl, and he dresses up. And by dresses up, I mean he puts on a big turtle head and nothing else. So I don't know how they don't realize that he's a giant mutant turtle. And um, he does birthday parties. And then Raph sleeps all day. And at night, he uh, he is the Night Watcher. And the Night Watcher is just a vigilante in a bunch of armor because he wants to keep stopping crime. And he's got weird... Uh, He's got like a scorpion Mortal Kombat chain that he can whip out at people and uh, a motorcycle. And I don't know where he got all these things, but he's going around stopping crime and whatever. And then Leo comes back and there's just tension because Leo's put back into this position of authority. Raph is angry because he stayed away longer than he was supposed to. So they felt like abandoned, like he doesn't care. And now he just wants to come in. So there's tension between Raph wanting to just get out there and do the work and protect people and Leo trying to get the group back together to be able to do that. And it becomes intertwined with, um, the Yaudel needs to, or winters, I guess needs to collect the 13 monsters again. So the generals are unturned from stone and then he will no longer be immortal and they can go back to their own dimension and he can finally die because the fucked up angle here is that that dude just really, really wants to die. And um, he's really sick of being alive, which is an interesting thing for your kids' movie. But um, it turns out later that the generals want to be cool stone immortal generals forever and take over the world. So the Foot Clan and the Ninja Turtles and Winters need to come together and fight the generals. And it becomes this whole classic. There's a big space laser shooting into a big tower and the world's going to end if we don't do something thing that has become the climax of every superhero movie ever made. If it felt like that plot summary was kind of long, it's because this movie has way too many layers for no reason. Yeah, it's amazing that so much can be so uninteresting to me. I didn't even mention April O'Neil and Casey Jones. Yeah. They didn't even come up. And for some reason, she doesn't do journalism anymore. She runs a cargo company and was shipping the statues of the generals back to Winters. Okay. Why was that changed? Hmm. Because uh, this wants to be the definitive Ninja Turtles, and in the definitive Ninja Turtles, she April ships April not a journalist. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I'll let you go. Is there anything in the movie that like really worked for you that you could kind of look past its sort of like middling plot and be like, hey, that wasn't so bad? Mm. Uh-oh. That wasn't a confident <laughs> mm. Dude, not much, honestly. It's like... I like the idea of an animated Ninja Turtles movie, and I like the idea of doing something totally different from those 90s movies, because I think what you said about how you don't think this is a definitive Ninja Turtles movie is actually a really good point, because the Ninja Turtles is a concept that's so strong, and it feels feels, um, so... (laughs) like necessary to life at this point the same way you know spider-man does or something where it's just stories just need to keep being told i wake up i eat breakfast i drink water i think about the ninja turtles this is what keeps me alive (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) because these stories you know these characters are just too good for stories not to be continue being told about them and so I'm totally behind um, there just being a bunch of Ninja Turtles movies. And I like that we have that trilogy in the 90s. And within that trilogy, we have so many different kinds of movies. And then we have this movie that's all by itself. And it's animated. And it's a contained story. And it's 
an epic and it's a fantasy and it's a war movie and it's a fam a movie about like family is important bro eat your heart out fast and the furious and then a few years later <laughs> we get like michael bay doing his thing with live action and cgi and i like that we have all those different iterations and i think the idea is super cool but if i just think about when i watched this movie for an hour and a half you know it just not even all i could short movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's a short movie um i can just think about that it wasn't quite working you know the, the animation i don't like i said i don't think it's it's very good and it's a shame because an animated teenage mutant ninja turtles movie is is a great idea but it's just not a great idea for 2007 when like Pixar isn't behind it and you don't have the massive budget in order to, you know, make it look like yeah, as it's timeless it's, as it's, an animated movie needs to look. It's a victim of timing, I think, for sure, because the cartoon still looks good, but it's 2D, yeah. right? And it's drawn. Yeah. So it's able to have that sort of timelessness. Um, I agree with a lot of what you're saying where it... Um, this just feels like a necessary thing. I think it's a really good vehicle to get like life lessons across because the group dynamic is so strong. And I think for kids watching it, they'll see something of themselves in at least one of these turtles. So they're able to identify with that. And in identifying with that, they can latch on to the lessons being taught and take something away from it beyond just thinking it's cool but they're also able to think it's cool because there's a turtle who skateboards through a sewer tunnel on some real Tony Hawk's pro skater ass looking animation where he's just like magnetizing to different things so he can keep these moves going, which looks pretty janky. But um, there's just something about, you know, you have the leader who's trying to be noble but falls and you have the the one who's like got pride and hubris and anger and needs to keep those in check. And um, the guy who can't take anything seriously enough and doesn't know when to stop cracking jokes and whatever Donnie does, <laughs> because I can't put a good personality type on him. He's like the dorky guy. That's basically it. Like, but beyond dorky, I don't know what his like personality traits really are, but um, yeah. anyway, you know what I mean? But something about, this movie makes it harder for that because there's a lot of time in a short runtime of a movie spent not dealing with the interpersonal relationships of the turtles. So, um, like I think the stuff with Leo and Raph is really good. And even their fight on that roof that I mentioned in the rain, it looks pretty all right in this movie. It's probably the best looking thing in it, but, um, I don't think we get enough of the turtles grappling with what they should be doing and, you know, splinter imparting lessons onto them and them trying to get back on their feet. I think it's made too hasty because there's an imminent threat with a ticking clock that they have to deal with right now. So it feels like it glosses over them coming back into team form by just having Raph and Leo fight a couple of times and then it's solved. I would have preferred this movie, I think, if, you know, first of all, maybe the threat were Krang, just so it was a bit less abstract than it was a thing people were familiar with. Um, not that everything needs to be something we're familiar with, but just bear with me here. But then they knew that was a incoming threat. So then once Leo came back, there could be like, I don't know, montages and stuff and um, a bunch of different character moments between like different pairings of the turtles where they sort of get back on each other's good side. I think it's made a little bit too simple by the fact that only Leo and Raph are upset by this and everybody else is just like, now nah, we're good. We're fine. Um, maybe that's just not giving kids enough credit. 
I think some of it's good. I think there's some funny one-liners in it, but there's also too many one-liners in it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like the 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 success rate is like 40, 60 or something. Yeah. You know, there's Case, a couple of your Casey, mom jokes in here that are very Casey 2000. Jones is one-liner central, but I don't remember like any of them. <laughs> yeah, and he looks his, his hair is blue. Casey Jones for some looks reason looks exactly like every like cool guy in an animated thing since 2005 like he looks like the characters in that <laughs> canadian show 16 and he looks like the <laughs> hip dude and he looks like the hip dude in like big hero 6 who's yeah. voiced by you know yeah, tj yeah, yeah. miller or whatever and he's just like he's got that long face and like kind of shaggy hair and you know what i mean it's just i know I, I couldn't get into him either um and also uh you know, the Ninja Turtles is interesting because it's always had a really prominent female character in April who has a lot of, it seems like, of her own agency and her ability to influence the things that are happening around her and have an impact in the story as it happens. And in this movie, she just is a total non-factor. She exists to move the plot, basically. She goes to get Leo and she brings back the last general statue and then basically disappears until like the end confrontation and that's basically it and i can't think of a good reason why there isn't more of her in the movie there's way more of casey jones in the movie and that doesn't seem totally fair i don't know if i want to blame that on 2007 or the people who made the movie or what but it definitely kind of sucks and man is she thin oh my Holy god moly yeah it's a really weird yeah yeah, I wrote down that it looked like she could get blown away by a strong breeze. And <laughs> I don't know why they designed the character that way. Like, she's... It's, like, comical. It's outrageous how thin <laughs> she is. It's really weird. And Casey Jones, weirdly, also very thin. <laughs> like, the turtles look, like, muscular because I guess they're ninjas or whatever. But um, yeah. April's weirdly thin. Casey Jones is weirdly thin. Uh, Karai, who is the uh, Foot Clan leader now that Shredder is dead, is also weird, weirdly proportioned. Like, I don't know what their plan was for that character design. There Maybe is... they were just trying oh, to make the turtles look better. Maybe, but By like making everyone there... else look grotesque. But there are antagonists who are just like big beefy dudes. So it's like, yeah. they could have just made people regularly proportioned people. Like, <laughs> they didn't have to not do that. <laughs> um, I don't know, man, but maybe, I think that kind of checks out, because that's why people have such a problem with the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles, because those turtles are surrounded by beautiful people, so like... You no, it's because their faces look whack. It's not because they're surrounded by beautiful people, it's just because they look weird. I don't know. Well, I think the Ninja Turtles look fine in the '90s movies, next to normal-looking people. Uh, yeah, the first in the first movie they really. It almost makes it, it harder sure. to have suspension of disbelief when it's animated because you're prepared to suspend your disbelief for what the turtles look like, but you have to do it for what all the human beings look like, and that's weird. Yeah, um, yeah, that is weird. This movie also, there's one other thing in this movie that feels very of its time, and very this is a kids movie. Which is one of the monsters is basically just Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. And it's like in a diner and Raph is in his Night Watcher outfit and is fighting it. And then... <laughs> and then the song Black Betty by Buck Cherry plays. <laughs> is Black Betty by Buck Cherry? Did yeah. they do a cover? No, that's the version you heard. 
Yeah. Oh my god. I have I the no here on. I have the soundtrack list. Wait a minute. It's not Buck Cherry. Buck Cherry does a cover of it, but it's not Buck Cherry. I lied. I'm learning, folks. It's by it's Big not City in Rock the in the movie. Eh? No. Yeah. It's Big City Rock. I just always yeah, thought okay, that was a Buck Cherry song. There's some. Oh. There's some. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm the idiot. There's um. We got Gym Class Heroes. Classic. Everybody loves Gym Class Heroes. There's uh, Cobra Starship. Everybody remember Cobra Starship? No? Okay, didn't think so. But there's two things. One, there's a song in this movie that, looking at this list, I can't remember what song it is. Uh, but I recognize it a lot. But most importantly for me, uh, the song Red Flag by Billy Talon is in this movie. And that is the most extremely mid-2000s shit ever, and I fucking love that song. And hearing it and Black Betty and whatever that other one is in this movie was so weird. Yeah, it's like they just ripped the soundtrack from my LimeWire playlist back Honestly, in 2006. I burned CDs that we could listen to in our car when I was a kid that had Billy Talent on it. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, I, I literally think just by coincidence, I have the soundtrack of TMNT 2007, only I made it myself and I didn't know <laughs> existed elsewhere. Because where else were you going to listen to the Chris Vrenna remix of Lights Out by P.O.D.? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wait. There's also uh, a song in here uh, by the band Cute Is What We Aim For. Yes, yeah. Um, that might be the song I'm thinking of. Because another Probably. place I know all of these songs from is from the Burnout 3 Takedown soundtrack. Which is a oh very good video game. And um, that's something that I played a lot as a kid. And um, it's just so weird to me that this movie has licensed music in it. Like, I yeah. don't know. There's definitely moments that feel like they realized that the movie was kind of slowing down. The pace was getting a little slow. There was a lot of talking scenes or like trying to plan how they were going to, you know, solve this fucking world ending crisis. And they would punctuate those scenes with fight scenes that were really loud with like loud music. And it always felt like they were just trying to wake the kids up and make them excited. So I definitely feel like those needle drops are just kind of there to be like, hey, kids, don't worry. Something exciting is happening. You can look now. <laughs> Yeah, and it's cool that uh that Billy Talent is in there because I didn't realize that they had made such a crossover because they're a Canadian band. Are they? All my yeah, no all my friends way. loved them. I, but it's, it's no wicked. Way. Yeah, you didn't know that? No, Mississauga, shout out fucking Billy Talent, dog. Yeah, and so they were huge to me, but Mariana's Trench was another Canadian rock band that was huge to me as a kid. And I didn't realize until just a couple years ago that they're not big in America at all. And Mariana's Trench isn't big in America? No, was no. Was Billy I mean, Talent like big in America? Here. Well, that's what I'm saying. I guess they are because they're in this movie. Huh. I mean, yeah, I guess so. They went multi-platinum in Canada. And according to Wikipedia, quote, continue to expand their success overseas. What does that yeah, mean? There you go, man. There you go. Yeah, those needle drops just feel weird in this movie, but I'm happy they're there because it reminds me of a different time in my life. Yeah, I like them too. I Shout really out do. to Gym Class Heroes. <laughs> um, I don't even know what some of these bands are. I would love to know what some of these songs are from. Like, what is the song Youth Like Tigers by Ever We Fall? 
Hmm. I don't know that one. I don't They're an American alternative rock slash emo band from Portland, Oregon. Hey, that sounds up my alley. It maybe uh, it sounds maybe up your th- look for sure. You, I bet you look like you could be a member of Everweekfall. <laughs> it's a good band name. It I, is a I, good I'll band check, name. I'll check them out on Apple Music. That's good stuff. I'm just gonna go listen to Billy Talent again for like four straight hours. <laughs> <laughs> Except just Red Flag and just the drum intro. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. What else do I need? <laughs> when that kicked in in the movie i i like got i got so excited chills up and down my body (laughs) honestly like not far off um (laughs) and there were a couple one-liners that i did think were funny um there's a point where mikey gets hurt and he just yells my spleen (laughs) which is always funny a hundred percent of the time and um, there's one good joke at exp- at the expense of pretentious New Yorkers, which is the Night Watcher like um, chains up a bunch of criminals off of like a traffic light, and there's a guy on the sidewalk who goes, "What is this? Some kind of art installation or performance art? I don't get it." <laughs> which is pretty good. Um, yeah, that's good. There's also some good stuff with a uh, Splinter taking on that very. Um, you know, if we want to go back to the next Karate Kid, which I'm not sure we do, but taking on that very, like, Mr. Miyagi father figure and teacher role to try to teach them not just their, like, martial arts ability, but just values and how to be better to each other as a family unit. And all that stuff's good. Like, I like how they do everything with Splinter. Um, there actually is one good bit with Splinter, too, where um, the boys go out... Um, crime fighting a monster in a giant scaffolding tower and they're not supposed to because they don't get along yet and um they're all eating breakfast and trying to play it cool and splinter hasn't caught on yet so he's just like hey guys hope you're having a good morning catch you on the flip basically and then he goes and he turns on the news and from off camera he just yells like Rah! like i don't remember what he says but like you get it <laughs> yeah um, At the same time, though, dude, there was a there was a moment there where Splinter really got mad and blew up at them, and I was taken aback by that. Oh, entirely. I don't, I don't remember that. You don't remember this, eh? I don't remember what it was exactly, but he really exploded, and um, I was kind of confused, and it it left a bad taste in my mouth for sure. Do you remember what? Do you remember it specifically, or do you just remember the feeling you got? No, yeah, just the feeling. Okay. I was hurt. Well, um. If anybody decides to go watch that movie, please write in and tell us what Liam's talking about because we don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's our podcast for you. That's our motto. Email us if we're wrong angrily. (laughs) They made another one. I think, I don't know if there's really much more to say about TMNT 2007. There's better ways to get the turtles, man. And I haven't even seen a lot of them, but I just know that in my heart. Um, I don't think this is an egregiously bad movie. Um, like you said, it's derivative plot wise. It checks a lot of boxes. It's not going to do anything that's going to surprise anybody. Um, you know how this movie's going to end when it starts. Like, yeah, the turtles are going to win. It's a bit tonally confused. It doesn't look great. It's an interesting relic of 2007. I think not in the sense that it captures like a cultural moment or anything, but it captures a very specific look and feel that I kind of like revisiting because I was a kid then. But, um, yeah, aside from that, I don't know. Just go watch the 90s one. It's had more staying power for a reason, right? Yeah, totally, dude. This feels like something I'd watch on a sick day, like on Teletoon. Mm-hmm. And I would I would be watching it, and I 100%. would be like, why, 
why is this episode of TV over an hour long? Because it very much feels like a it feels like, like an a extended TV episode of TV. It really does feel like an extended TV episode. Um, yeah, and I guess that's kind of a Kevin Monroe's thing, right? He's adapting Ratchet and Clank and My Little Pony. He's just uh, he knows video games and long TV episodes. Big. And I'm not gonna begrudge him that. Like this is not a we're not dunking on Kevin Monroe. Like dude's got his lane and he's making big Hollywood movies and you know, we're not going to begrudge him that, but if you want a Ninja Turtles experience, uh, there's definitely better places you can go, but this is the only place you can go for a Ninja Turtles experience where Kevin Smith plays a diner chef. That's who Kevin Smith is, by the way. He's the guy in the diner who's Mm. like hiding from the stitch monster. (laughs) Um, so if anybody is a Kevin Smith completist, I guess you have to watch TMNT 2007 now. That'll make the rules. Yeah, I'm glad I checked that off my box. I think I'm done now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all of them? Good for you, man. I'm really happy for that's you. That's it. Tune in for our uh, Kevin Smith special. <laughs> Maybe someday. Um, but I think with that, we would uh, like to say, Cowabunga Dude for listening to this episode if they made another one. Uh, you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word. On Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, and all kinds of other places as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your long-winded explanation for who the best Ninja Turtle is. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego on Twitter and Letterboxd. The username is Graham the Mallow. And you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price. And with that out of the way, next week on They Made Another One, we will be checking out the Western remake of the classic Korean film Old Boy. So anybody who wants to keep up with us can check that out and tune in for our discussion soon. And with that, we will catch you here next time for more They Made Another One. I'm so glad we were both like we know what we have to do. That's gotta that's gotta be in there. I think you gotta keep that one, Corey. Oh yeah, the the drums I'll keep it for sure.